Father, we thank you for the body. <clears throat> we become one with other believers when we come to faith in Christ. And as we interact with <clears throat> the application of some items discussed in the last two weeks, we want to be those who are doers <clears throat> of your word. We want to be living as a body for your glory. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> I think it was two weeks ago <clears throat> on the way out after the service, someone mentioned something to me about being willing to write a poem in light of what I'd spoke on. <clears throat> so Jane Killian gave me this last Sunday. What do others see? How do I relate to others as I live from day to day? Lord, do I really honor you by responding to problems in a godly way? Do I live a life of integrity and model your love for the world to see? Is my desire to obey and follow in your steps each day? Do I build others up or tear them apart? Am I showing your love through a caring heart? Do I speak the truth through all I do? Is my life slow enough to hear your voice too? Yes, others may hear what I say, but what they see in my life, but what do they see in my life each day? And again, springing from... <clears throat> what we would have discussed several weeks ago on these charts. We've been talking about the teaching and training and day-by-day -day life. We know that church leaders, pastor, elders, and so on, are to be involved in equipping believers to live godly as believers on the job, at home, shoppers, and so on. Within the home, within marriage, Husbands are to be responsible for teaching and training their wives. And then mom and dad being responsible for teaching and training their children. And in light of what we discussed two weeks ago, some questions came to mind. Now, what is a single parent to do? What if you're married and your husband or wife professes to be a believer but does not really carry their responsibility? And some others that are questions springing from the passages we discussed. Last week, we looked at some general statements that we should seek to apply as we seek to live out the truth of Scripture. This morning, we want to look at some specific situations and see how scripture would apply. And remember that 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, all scripture is God-breathed or inspired by God and is useful for teaching or doctrine. Now, it doesn't stop there. It's not enough to merely believe correctly. It's also profitable for rebuking, showing us wrong. It's profitable for correction, how to live in light of when we're wrong, and then training in righteousness. So I want to look at some specific situations this morning. And the first one would be, what is a single parent to do, since there may be no husband or father, and in some cases no mother? It seems like many times 
It's more when there's no father around, and that may be true for a variety of reasons. How do we live out scripture if mom and dad are responsible? Some practical thoughts. If you're a single parent, be only the parent you are. You cannot be both parents. Be only the parent you are. If you're a single mom, you're a single dad, be the parent that you are. Secondly, seek to bring godly men or women into your child's life by design. Seek to bring godly men or women into your child's life by design. Titus 2 says, Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanders or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, to be pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage young men to be self-controlled, and so on. Older, impacting, younger. And then seek to spend time with families. If you're a single parent, maybe you can spend some time with families. Don't be afraid to ask them. We're a body. A single parent should have the support of the body. You know, the body of Christ. We praise God for the body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about, you know, if one burden, if one member is carrying a burden, the others carry it. You know, if there's joy, the others rejoice and so on. That's part of being the body. That would encourage also seeking much intergenerational influence. It's good for children in a single parent family to see old people, I better rephrase that maybe, but old people interact. Middle-aged people share and interact. Intergenerational influence is so very, very powerful. And I think very important if there's a single parent. Find some older couples who love God and spend time in daily life with them. Just spend time with them so that your children can see how mom and dad interact or how a mom and dad, how a husband and wife interact. Well, you say, I don't know where to turn to. That's why we're part of a body. The body is to minister to one another. That means if we know someone who is a single parent, we should be willing to reach out to them and not wait for them to ask us, but say, come on over to our house. Spend some time with us. Just hang out with us. We're not going to have a Bible study or anything. We're just going to hang out together. You know, maybe we're going to go on a cookout. Maybe we're going to work together, whatever. You know, just the intergenerational, but also seeing how mom and dad, how a husband and wife should relate. Please understand that a child who grows up in a single-parent home may not grasp from experience how a husband and wife relate, how a mom and dad respond. And we can be instrumental as a body in helping them. So it's a two-way street, the single parent reaching out, but the body of Christ also reaching out. Another situation, we have a believing wife with a professing believer as a husband who is not leading or training, you know, not really taking a hold in the relationship, not loving, as Ephesians 5 would say, not having a purifying effect. 
but yet professing to be a believer in Christ. <clears throat> that happens at times. How might a wife respond? First suggestion, search your own heart. Are you being obedient to God and relating to your husband in thought, belief, attitude, desire, words, and action? Focus on yourself. If overall that's your lifestyle, then proceed. If no, then obey as a pattern of life before you go to the next item. God cannot honor an attempt to confront your husband if you're not obedient. Matthew chapter 7. <clears throat> Sometimes we refer to a passage or this passage and <clears throat> take it out of its context. But Matthew 7 and verse 1 says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with what measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And sometimes we say, the passage is saying, don't judge. If you read the flow of the passage, it's not the point of the passage. We take care of ourselves first. Assuming that a believing wife is seeking to be responsive to God, having a gentle and a quiet spirit working in that, respecting her husband, following his leadership, then I would encourage in light of Scripture to lovingly confront him with his neglect several times. You know, and again, use scripture. We're talking about coming with respect, <clears throat> with the gentleness, with the humility. If unresponsive, ask him, and I'm talking after, after several contacts, if unresponsive, ask him if he desires to remain disobedient to scripture. If unresponsiveness continues, talk to the church leader seeking guidance and direction on how to respond. And I understand I'm saying a mouthful when I say that. And I've been on the receiving end of that. Ruthann, a number of times over the years, has talked to me about how I lead and love her. And I've, I welcome that. It's not that I've been unresponsive long term. It's just that, you know, I haven't arrived yet. Church leaders should lovingly be present as a wife would confront her husband with his neglect. Then the leader should offer help, guidance, presenting a specific plan of action. And let a husband share his desire to be willing to submit to change. I realize I'm saying a lot, but we're a body. And we're to love one another, we're to care for one another. We're not out to tear down, we're here to build up for God's glory. 
that's very difficult to do something like that. I understand. But do we love someone enough not to let them continue in a pattern that is not correct in light of Scripture? Another situation, what should children do when believing parents do not teach and train? That may happen at times. For those of you who are children, this is applicable. Search your own heart, your own life. Are you being obedient to, honoring and respecting to your parents from the heart? in your attitude, your words, and your actions. If so, proceed. If no, develop, an, a, develop a pattern of obedience. <clears throat> parents are to teach and to train. Children are to obey. They're to respect. They're to honor their parents. Assuming that is present, lovingly, lovingly talk to your parents concerning your desire to be taught and trained by them as presented in Scripture. Pointing out their responsibility using Scripture and ask if they want to begin to obey. Is there anything wrong with a 15-year-old going to dad and to mom and saying, Mom and dad, I really want you to teach me. I want you to train me. I want to know how to live. I love you. I respect you. And I'm trying to obey, honor you and obey you. But there's something lacking. Won't you please try to fulfill your role in my life? If unresponsive, maybe ask them again if they want to continue to disobey. And if unresponsiveness continues, then I would encourage talking to church leaders, seeking guidance and direction on how to respond. Church leaders, again, being present and seeking to encourage a correct response. Now pose a question. If you were aware that I had taught Danny or Beth or Jason or Christopher when they were living at home to be thieves, And I would brag about it and say, oh, yeah, I teach my kids to go into Walmart and see how much they can rip off without getting caught. And the more they bring home without getting caught, the more I praise them. I trust that you would have set me down very, very quickly and said, you know, you need to address that. Is that so much different than if I, as a Father was not teaching my children how to live. You say they're different, but they're both in violation of Scripture. And in both cases, the body needs to respond to that. What should believers do if their leaders are not teaching and training them? <clears throat> we looked at the uh, illustration before, you know, the three circles, and pastor, elders, and so on are to be teaching and training people how to live and day-by-day living. If that is not taking place, what should a body do? Or, you know, what should they do? And I know that happens. I've been asked that quite often over the years, you know, from some people and other churches. Search your own heart. 
Are you obedient to the Lord and walking with Him as a pattern of life? If so, proceed. If no, develop a pattern of obedience to Him for months. And then lovingly, gently talk to your leaders about your concern with what you see as neglect in their part. Point out Scripture, be willing to listen and encourage them to respond. I know I'm saying a mouthful when I state that. Shepherds sometimes, elders sometimes need talk to because they're loved by sheep. If lack change continues, maybe take some believers with you to share your concerns. If still uncompassionate, maybe seek some help and guidance maybe from area pastors. And if if unresponsiveness continues, Seek guidance from godly men. We're a body. We care for one another. We strive to minister to one another. Shepherds are to lead, to teach, to train. And I said all of that knowing that I'm a shepherd and I have been on the receiving end someone coming to me or someone's, you know, at times more than one over the years to talk to me. A believing wife with an unsaved husband. We talked about the fact that a husband is to be teaching and training his wife. And if a wife has an unbelieving husband, how should she respond? Can she expect him to really be, quote unquote, a spiritual leader? My encouragement, develop and maintain a lifestyle of obedience to 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6. 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives. I want to say a word to you, wives. Peter is speaking to unbelieving, or wives who have unbelieving husbands, but I think it's true of believers also. Men go crazy when their wives just live well and don't talk. I'm not saying don't talk at all, but don't complain. We don't know what to do with that. Over the years, there's been times where Ruth Anna's got on my case about things, and I, I usually say, honey, I heard the first time. You don't need to tell me again. Well, why didn't you do something about it? I don't have a good answer other than just not loving you, I guess. I said, honey, if you have something to say, tell me one time and don't even bring it up again. Just love God. Be humble. Be gentle. And God will probably get a hold of me. Peter says, When they see the purity of your lives, your beauty should not come from an outward adornment such as braided hair and wearing of gold and jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters. If you do what is right, do not give way to fear. 
And I have a loaded question, and I'm not looking for an answer. How would you like to be Sarah? Listening to Abraham, and Abraham says, Sarah, you are to lie and tell, well, half lie, you are to tell Pharaoh that I am your sister. Knowing that she would be taken into Pharaoh's harem and eventually become his wife. She responded to Abraham, and God then worked on Abraham. In the context of an unbelieving husband, Peter says, the inner beauty of an on the inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Then seek to teach. Train your children in various ways, but with your husband's blessing in each area, if it influences him directly. Just a non-saved husband, a believing wife, seeking to impact her children. And I might say probably the greatest impact will be how she responds to her husband. And then seek counsel, encouragement, and prayer from other believers. I need help. Pray for me. Give me guidance. Give me direction. Another situation, a believing husband with a believing wife who will not follow. Remember, the chart, one of them was a husband is to teach and train his wife. He's to love her, to lead her, and care for her, and so on. So here we have a believing husband with a believing wife who may not follow. Search your own heart. Are you being obedient to God and loving your wife, being considerate of your wife, treating her with respect as a weaker partner and as an heir together with the gracious gift of life? Focus on yourself. If those are true, proceed. If no, then seek to obey as a pattern of life before you take any action. And again, if you're going to talk to your wife and you're not being responsive to God yourself, How can God bless that? Judge yourself first. Lovingly confront her with her neglect several times using Scripture. Express your continued unconditional love. Now, this is only my experience over the years that when a professing, believing wife is not willing to respond to her husband who is a believer, it seems rare if a husband is seeking to obey Ephesians 5. I do not understand this to this point in time in our relationship. But years ago, before we get married, Ruth Ann said she would follow me to a foxhole. And she still says that. I don't understand that. I try to love her. I try to lead her. I try to care for her. Seems to be something in a woman, in the makeup of a wife who wants to follow her husband and wants him to lead and so on. But if it is not true, lovingly confront If unresponsive, ask if she desires to maintain or remain disobedient to Scripture. 
If unresponsiveness continues, talk to church leaders seeking counsel on what action steps to take. Again, we may be dealing with some heavy-duty stuff. But we're a body, caring, loving, seeking to live out Scripture. We have a shepherd with sheep who are not responsive. Pastor, elder, some church leader, you're involved in some Sunday school class or, you know, relate to teens or whatever, but you shepherd people in some way and the sheep are not responsive. How should you respond? You get the whip out and start whipping them? No. You get the club out and start clubbing them? No. Search your own heart. Are you watching or guarding your own heart, watching the flock, shepherding the flock, and being an example to the flock? Do you love the flock? In 1 Peter chapter 5, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being an example to the flock. When the chief shepherd appears, you will also receive the crown of life that will never fade. Written all over that passage is love. If no, if no, be obedient as a pattern of life first. I'm a shepherd. If you as sheep are not responsive, I need to take care of myself first. If the entire flock is unresponsive in some area, or the entire Sunday school class or whatever, address in prayer then godly teaching of Scripture. Give time for God to work. Continue to love them and care for them. Be certain you're not seeking change for yourself. I say this out of deep concern for the body of Christ. And I say it as a shepherd, that I'm fearful we shepherds many times lead and shepherd for our own benefit rather than for the well-being of the flock. You have patiently loved me and cared for me for 36 years. When I came here, it was not too long, or af- too long after I was here, a guy in his 20s came to me and said, Pastor, when are you planning to move? I said, I don't have any plans to move. He says, I can tell you right now, you'll last here a few years, and when something bigger and better comes up, you'll go. I said, I don't know. That's not my desire. Why do we shepherds 
stay in a local church on an average of about three years. That's the national average. Because the enemy tempts us to say the sheep are not following, you're not accomplishing what you want to see accomplished. Move on to something better. He gets the shepherd, he got the sheep. You say that's not a temptation for a shepherd, is it? Quite a few years ago, I got a call and said, person said who they were, and they said, would you be open to coming to our church as pastor? And they said, here's how many people attend. Here's what the pay would be. And we have some great potential. I said, I don't think I am. That I love it where I am. I like the people. I love the people where I am. I'm living, being taken care of financially. That happened a number of times over the years. But the greatest lore was bigger and better. And I'm saying to you as a group of believers that the enemy works among shepherds to create a discontent and then they respond incorrectly because change is not happening for them. And that is true of husbands. My wife isn't changing. True of wives, my husband isn't changing. And then they just want to throw it off rather than respond biblically. If, um, if believers are unresponsive on the part of a shepherd, your Sunday school teacher, whatever, pray. Confront them individually. Never, 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 never use the pulpit or Sunday school class to address several believers. You say you really emphasize that because I'm a shepherd. My heart breaks when I'm going into churches and listen to a pastor speak, and almost immediately I can say, he's out to get someone this morning. That's being a hireling. That's not a shepherd. If I have something to talk to you about, I need to come to you, not bring it to the pulpit. And that's true in Sunday school class or whatever. Go to an individual. Don't bring it to someone else and try to handle it on a larger scale. And then just continue to love and to lead. We're imperfect people. And we're going to struggle. You ever stop to consider Christ as our shepherd? How he continues to love us and care for us. He doesn't throw in the town saying, I'm done with you. He loves us. He cares for us. In the final situation, husband, father, not knowing how to teach, lead, train his wife and children. We looked at the drawing that dealt with Ephesians 6. You know, fathers, 
train up your children the way should, they should go, you know, teach your children, nurture them, and so on. Don't embitter them. Admit reality, I don't know how. Nothing wrong with a father saying, I don't know how to lead my wife or teach my children. Seek guidance and direction from your shepherd or from godly older men. If you're not sure how to lead your wife or children, find some godly older man and say, spend some time with me. Can I talk to you? You know, I'm not sure how to respond. Be accountable. <clears throat> Thursday morning, a godly older man called me. And he said, Dan, I've been a little slow in getting to you and some, had some family issues, but he said, it's time that I do talk to you. And he asked me about some areas of my life. Because I think I'm an older man now, but he's older than I am. And I still want to be godly. And then act. Don't wait. Act. And I'm fully aware in all that I've shared this morning that sometimes when we act, a situation may get worse, at least from our perspective. But sometimes obedience to God does result in a situation seeming to get worse because someone may not be responsive. But that doesn't mean we were disobedient. A major factor in responding is just God's grace. We have experienced grace. Thus, we're motivated to turn from sin and challenge others to obedience and to obtain favor from God. Are we willing to respond? Love for God and others acts to encourage them to respond to God's grace and to act on their faith. Failure to confront is a failure to love. Failure to confront is a choice to let them to continue in their sin, which is a choice to delight in evil. I understand a lot of what I said this morning will require some hard choices. I stand here as one who has confronted and one who has been confronted. And I can honestly say I would not be the husband or father that I am today if it were not for people loving me enough to confront me, including my wife. I would not be a shepherd today. I would not be a pastor today if some people over the years had not lovingly said, Pastor, this is not how a shepherd responds. So when I speak to you, I'm not speaking as one who has not been acted upon. That is, others have come to me. They have confronted me they have spoken truth into my life. 
I've also gone to others and spoken truth into the lives of others. And my encouragement to you is, in light of what we have discussed, will you, if you're in a position that you need to act, just simply act. Obedience. Let's sing together as we close our service, hymn 400.